Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The Volume. Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. What is going on, my people? How are we doing? John Middlecoff, three and out. That's the podcast. That's me. Well, it's about 9.30 at night. Just watched the Steeler game. They were victorious against the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson's $230 million contract. The Saints and Derek Carr, uh, I don't want to say pull out a win. It was, you know, somehow the Panthers covered, but they, they won. I don't even want to say comfortably, but they did pull away and then they got a late touchdown to make the game look a little closer than it was. Uh, though it was close throughout, but we'll dive into that game and those two teams as well. Uh, I remember once upon a time for the majority of of football humanity, Monday Night Football just meant just one game, but now we got two games. Luckily, technology, iPads, TVs, we figure it out. YouTube TV has the little two box. My, my only knock on that would be a lot of empty space. So even if you got a big TV and you do the split screen, a uh, lot of empty space. So I ended up just going iPad on uh, the NFC South game. But we, we we will touch on it all, from T.J. Watt to Deshaun Watson to Derek Carr to Bryce Young. And other than that, a uh, lot of football talk coming up. Obviously, Russell Wilson is a hot topic, as well as Justin Fields. Me and Colin touched on that yesterday. I'll dive more into that today. We will do a long mailbag at John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMS. And other than that, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on Collins feed, I know we got a lot of new listeners. I appreciate everyone that listens and that is new to the podcast. Glad to have you here. We talk a lot of football. Uh, I I will dive in. We're going to have podcasts all week. I'll probably dive. I I haven't touched on and I won't on this podcast Tua in, in Miami. 
Um, get into that probably tomorrow as well as, I mean, Thursday night game in theory was supposed to be pretty good when the season started. The Giants are kind of struggling right now, Saquon, but we got Niners Giants here in a couple days. So the season starts going, man, full speed ahead. Incredible week coming up for college football as well. So, uh, so let's buckle up, man. Let's have some fun. But before we dive into the games, the barn burners, uh, can I tell you about my friends at game time? I went to a college football game. Uh, I watched my Fresno State Bulldogs destroy ASU. And because it was at the same time as the Colorado-Colorado State game, I didn't get to see any of that. Uh, And I did it with my friends at game time. Here's what you need to do. They are the official ticketing app of this podcast. Just go to your phone and download the game time app. And when you do it, you can go to any game, college football games, NFL football games, the World Series, the NBA, concerts, comedy shows. They have you covered. Just sign up for a pair of tickets. A bunch of you guys have hit me up like, Taking my dad to an NFL game. I'm going to an SEC game because of game time. And when you sign up, use the promo code John. That's J-O-H-N. J-O-H-N, $20 off. I, I, I've gotten to more events this year because of my friends at game time than I probably have combined in the last, like, four years. Uh, football games, hockey games, baseball games, you name it. Concerts, just out there rubbing elbows with the people. Uh, promo code John, baby, $20 off. I want to start something big picture with the night game. And I'm going to take you to uh, Harvard Business School NFL style. That was an economic lesson tonight. It, it, it truly was. And listen, the injury with Nick Chubb was, I'm a sicko. The moment Joe and Troy say that we're not going to show you the replay, I, I'm that guy and I've been this way since I was a little kid. When you say no, I say yes. When you say yes, I say no. When you hang a left, I want to hang a right. And I I understand, and I'm not numb to this. I kept rewinding it. I I didn't really have a good angle and then, you know, searched online. He's a stud. Absolute baller. He is why we watch football for the stars. But he clearly had a devastating knee injury, um, which would be his second of his career. He he had one in college as well. And I thought he was going to run for like 200 yards on the Steelers. And then when he went out, we'll get to Deshaun Watson here in a second, but you have a $230 million quarterback who's not looking like a $230 million quarterback. You're like, what are they going to do? And then what happened? They brought in some guy named Ford that I had to look up. He was Cincinnati's running back on the team that went to the playoffs who looked just like him. He was awesome. Fifth round pick. They did not skip a beat. The dude ran for 100 yards, was running around through and off the edges to Steeler defenders all night long. It was like they didn't skip a beat. Nick Chubb is widely considered, and rightfully so, probably one of the best non-quarterback offensive skill guys in the league. He goes out on a cart, and the run game doesn't even, I mean, it doesn't skip a beat. You, you, you wouldn't have noticed if you would have put if you would have put Chubb and his number on Ford, it would have looked the same. Yet the reason the Browns lost this game is because they couldn't block one of, if not, the best play. I mean, we talk so much about Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald, and rightfully so. You know, maybe it's because of TJ's brother was more famous. And listen, I got to see JJ in the peak of his powers when he was winning Defensive Players of the Year. He was as good of a player on defense as I've ever seen live. And I've seen Aaron Donald and Earl Thomas and Ray Lewis. I mean, I've seen some great players over the last decade. 
TJ Watt is making a case that he's headed toward that level because that is the type guy that you throw the form at. That when they say how much, right, you figure out a way to get an enormous deal. And it's why those type players get paid so much money. And it's why GMs look at running backs like so replaceable because you can hit a home run like the Browns did with Nick Chubb. Hell, he wasn't even the first player from his own college at that position taking, right? Bill Belichick took Sony Michelle over him, which obviously did not age well. And he's become a star in the NFL. He's a dominant player. Yet he goes out and you don't notice a difference. Yet last year, early on in the season when T.J. Watt got hurt, it had a dramatic impact on the Steelers' defense. Hell, on the league. It's probably a big reason that team missed the playoffs last year. The importance and the, and the positional hierarchy is a real thing. And in the NFL, given it's a business wrapped around football, it's why you dedicate way more resources to those positions. It's very hard to find. Hell, they got lucky that Highsmith has turned into the version in which he's turned into. Now they have an A-plus pass rusher and like a B-plus pass rusher. And those guys are worth every penny. Where at running back, look at the Steelers. Najee Harris. I'm biased. He grew up where I used to live in the Bay Area, 15 minutes away from me. I'd been following him since like a sophomore year in high school. Since Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban were coming to the Bay Area, begging him to take their scholarships. He's just not very good. He's not very good. And he was what? The 24th pick in the draft? 23rd pick in the draft? Warren is a much more explosive explosive player. Clearly, pass blocking, not really his thing. But this running back conversation was on full display tonight. And the pass rushing conversation, which we all agree with, their value, but it shows you the value of positions. And it was crazy to watch Ford almost carry that team to a win. But the two pass rushers that combined for 14 points, they each had a touchdown, were peppering the quarterback, TFLs in the backfield all night long. Like, that's what you want, right? And uh, listen, I was wrong on Pittsburgh. I thought they were had a chance to win 13 games. It is clear through two games, regardless of the injuries, and they clearly have some. Fitzpatrick got hurt tonight. Hayward had surgery. He's out for a long time. You know, Deontay Johnson has hammy. Who knows when he's going to return? So th- they are missing players. But even if they had those players, that's a 10-win team at best. Uh, even tonight, like, I, I don't think they're guaranteed to be over 500. And I have a buddy that I've met since living here who's a diehard Steelers fan, works in the golf industry, kind of a heavy hitter, and sent me a screenshot of an article. And this is what, like, one reason I, I, I don't want to say I missed on the Rams. Uh, I just assumed Stafford would be not healthy. And we'll see if he plays all season. But I, I was a big proponent and believer that they are going to be terrible. Well, it just when you have a star coach and your quarterback's healthy, you got a chance every week. Look at Vrabel. And he definitely doesn't have a star quarterback. But when you have a dominant coach, especially an offensive play caller, which, for example, Sean McVay is, you're going to be in a lot of games. In Matt Canada, this article that I was forwarded from my guy, he circled like it was, it was a big screenshot and he circled part of it. And since 2021, when Matt Canada, who they were chanting fire Canada in the stadium the night, who had one of the worst third down short yardage calls you'll ever see with the game on the line. 
since 2021, every team in the NFL has at minimum three, and obviously a ton of teams have a lot more of these, 400-yard offensive performances. In that period of time, the Steelers in Canada have zero. Their offensive coordinator is not good. It's clear when you watch them play. You know, their quarterback, also a limited guy. If you are going to have a limited quarterback, you better have a dynamic play caller. The reason Kyle Shanahan could win games with Jimmy Garoppolo is because he's an excellent chess player on grass. It's what they pay him to do, where that is clearly a problem for the Steelers, right? They don't have a great schemer running their offense. And their head coach, while a great leader and just a cool dude, has nothing to do with the offense, right? Offensive line, some of their personnel, not great. Najee is never going to live up to that first-round billing. Their offensive line is very hit or miss. And missing one of their better ride receivers, you know, Pickens can only do so much. Hell, I would throw to him like every other play. But I got to take the L on this. The Steelers are not competing to win the AFC. That much is clear. Watt, Highsmith could, but you need 20 other guys. And the 11 guys on offense, to me, it's not an ideal situation. Now, the Browns. Everybody and their mother, rightfully so, has been making fun of Russell Wilson in his contract for the last 24 hours. His contract, when it comes to guaranteed money, he is owed $69 million less in guarantees than Deshaun Watson. And I got news for you. At 34 years old, Russell Wilson, even with his struggles these last two years, is better than that. Now, on the bright side, Watson is better than the small sample size last year at the end of the season, but he's not very good. Uh, Tonight, when pressure came around him, it felt like he didn't know what to do. He ran into a lot of sacks. His accuracy is very hit or miss. Like, he missed some basic routes. Listen, you run some of those deep overs, some just guys wide open in the middle of the field. He hit Amari a couple times. Amari made some nice plays on the sideline. But on just some basic like slant routes on third and seven, he's throwing it way behind him. I never felt as the game was going that, yeah, Deshaun Watson's going to win them this game. And we are, you know, if last year doesn't count, and financially it didn't really, remember they paid him a million dollars. Starting this year, they owed him $229 million moving forward. We've all watched enough football, and we see what the top guys look like. That is not even remotely close to a max quarterback contract player. And listen, Miles Garrett, when he's on their defensive line, they have some good defensive pieces. It felt like they lost like 17 players. I mean, the two corners and Chubb, I mean, those are Pro Bowl-level guys. Obviously, Chubb's a star, but the corners are big time. So you, you can only lose so many guys. But, like, just in a vacuum, watch Deshaun Watson and go, yeah, this is just not going to be good enough. Not in the conference where you're playing Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's he's not even in their world now. And we are a long way removed from the guy who had that couple-year stretch where he was a star in the NFL. That is a long time ago. And, listen, I'm not trying to get in the guy's brain. Who knows the pressure of everything self-inflicted that happened to him over the couple years, the pressure of the contract, uh, him vibing with the coach. But I just don't see it. (laughs) I I really don't. And he's a younger version. I actually think his game, 
when he was on was a lot like Russell. They are good athletes, but they're not runners. Like to me, Lamar, Kyler are runners. Those guys, Russell did it longer, scrambled to throw, and they were really dynamic, you know, throwers on the run outside the tackle box behind the line of scrimmage. And I watch a guy right now that I just don't feel threatened by if I'm the other team. And if I'm playing the Browns, there are a lot of guys on that team I don't want to see. Miles Garrett, you know, the corners, uh, Nick Chubb, hell, Amari Cooper. Deshaun Watson's not one of those. He's not keeping me up at night. You know, Kenny Pickett clearly is not either. So when you don't have elite quarterback play, you either have to have dynamic scheming, the Steelers don't have, or have excellent players around them. And you saw tonight the Browns kind of a, you know, just a war of attrition. They started losing dudes. And you, this is week two, the long season. And guys usually don't get healthier as the season went on. So that was, you know, kind of a slog of a game. I think the Browns got a real, real big picture problem on their hands with that contract because when you're paying him that much, he'll never be, you know, a top two or three quarterback. He never was that even in his peak. But is he a top 10 quarterback? <laughs> Not right now. For a limited time, you can save 40% on NFL Plus premium annual subscription when you sign up through Plus Play from Verizon. Plus Play is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once on any screen around you for updates. Never miss a touchdown. And for fantasy football players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming, like Fantasy Live through NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performance on Sunday, access to live local primetime games, access to Fantasy Plus. Just go to verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. It's 40% off an annual subscription. That's just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. Let's go to the other game, which, let's be real, felt like the JV version tonight, because it was. And I don't mean to be a hater, but you know, the AFC and NFC South, I look down to a little bit as a uh, football elitist, a little, little bit of a football snob, not saying that they haven't had good teams on individual years, but just the overall divisions as a whole, eight teams of them. Like, I, I'm just not running to my television to watch the majority of them, especially in 2023. But let's start with the Saints. They have zero excuse, and I feel even better about this two games in than I did when I picked them to win the division to not be the champions, you know, not be hosting a playoff game uh, because they won the division. They are in a division that has Desmond Ritter, which pulled a couple plays out of his ass late in that game against the Packers. I don't see it. Baker Mayfield is starting hot, but he's still Baker Mayfield. And Bryce Young, who is on a team that we'll get to in a second, is just awful. Now, on the bright side of the Saints, their defense looks really, really good. Uh, they, I actually took the dog for a walk because the Saints score to go up 20 to nine. The other game goes to halftime. I'm like, well, this game's over. And I had almost, and I had kicked myself cause I didn't follow Stucky. He was so confident on the bet against Tennessee against Florida. You know, the Tennessee was going to get smoked and he was right. And I was like, God, I was about to go all in. I loved the Saints line, but I didn't feel confident enough. You know, rookie quarterback, Monday night football. I'm like, their offensive weapons suck. How are they going to score on the Saints? But Derek made me nervous. 
And we'll get to him in a second. He's just not playing well enough right now. But that defense is big time. And if it wasn't for that final drive, that really was a pretty hollow drive. And then some crazy two-point play, uh, somehow the Panthers pushed. But if I'm the Saints fan right now, I feel really, we got a we got a big time defense. The offense is a major major work in progress, and while Derek should be the best quarterback in the division, I don't think he looks that great right now. He hit uh, Shahid. He's hit him twice now in the Titans game, and then again tonight that were back breaking plays. And then I think a play or two later tonight, he hits Alave for the touchdown that was the difference in the game. But for the most part, I don't think he looks very sharp. And I saw a clip while the Steeler game was still going on. Even he admitted such in his press conference, like, we got a long way to go. But the good thing is, you know, when he played like this for the Raiders, they would always lose, mainly because their defense always sucked. Now he's on a good defense. He can struggle and be better than what they had last year. They still have this weird mix of trying to force feed Taysom Hill in, uh, who is an interesting player. Like, I'd want him on my team. But the constant kind of hybrid quarterback runs don't totally get. Uh, but that's just something they've been doing since Sean Payton, and they're definitely not slowing down now. They'll eventually get Kamara back from the suspension. Michael Thomas looks good, and Chris Olave is really fast. So they're, they're going to have weapons, and Derek can play a lot better than he's playing for sure. So to me, the Saints, no excuse to not win this division. I was thinking about it today early on in that game when they – you know, they showed Bryce Young being the last guy to run out. Pretty cool moment. His parents were there. Monday Night Football. His mom was telling uh, Laura Rutledge, I think, how she remembers watching Monday Night Football with her dad. It was just, it's an emotional night. But the Panthers, over a decade ago, had the number one overall pick. And I actually attended the draft in 2011 when they took Cam Newton. And I remember going to the bathroom where, you know, the personnel like us that were there with the teams and then the players all used the same bathroom. I remember walking in there and it was, you know, the, it was a loaded draft, like Aaron Donalds, J.J. Watts, and Cam was walking out. And I, I ended up seeing him other times when I covered the league and worked in the league, you know, but that was, the, I, I walked right by him and he was as big of a human as you'll ever see. He, he was massive. When I looked up his size today at the Combine, he was over 6'5", 248. I remember walking by him thinking, this guy's 6'7", 270, and not an ounce of fat on him. He He's one of the great freaks of all time, right? And then they draft Bryce Young, who's barely 5'10". And while he weighed in 200 at the Combine, he's 190 pounds soaking wet. That was fake weight. So they went from Cam Newton, who is one of the biggest freaks of all time, to Bryce Young, who is tiny. Now, he was asked about it tonight, what it's like, and he's like, you know, I've never been tall. But it is pretty nuts that there are two number one picks at quarterback, and I love Bryce at Alabama, and I have nothing but respect. He is a tough little guy. In terms of toughness at quarterback tonight on that field, the tougher quarterback plays for Carolina. He is not scared. But also, when you're that small, little bit of a reckless nature, you know, even Cam by his early 30s was breaking down. Now, he was taking a lot more hits because he was a runner. Bryce is not a, a runner. It just, it's pretty crazy how small he is. Now, Cam's on the high end of size. Like, that is a mammoth human being. The majority of, like, Caleb Williams is going to be an all-time great prospect. His size won't sniff Cam's. But Bryce is the smallest quarterback in the league by a wide margin. While he's the same height as Kyler, Kyler probably has him by 25 pounds. You know, if Kyler's 215, 
and he's a buck ninety. I mean, that's a big difference. And look, Kyler banged up multiple years, and he's much faster th- than Bryce. So something to keep an eye on. The team's awful. No skill guys. Frank's been losing a lot now these last couple years, but th- they got issues. And last but not least, I just do not understand the uh, the doubleheader on Monday Night Football. It, it doesn't make sense to me. There has to be some economic, financial reason behind it, but I, I thought a lot about it today, and, and I couldn't figure it out. I, I, I just do not understand the logic, especially... It'd be one thing if one game was at three and the other game was at six fifteen, so they didn't. There wasn't any carryover. Well, tonight the first game kicked off at like four oh seven. the The second Monday night game kicked off at five fifteen. Now, because the Steeler Browns game is like the longest game in NFL history, because seventy five guys got injured, it, there was a lot of time in between. But if the games were just on normal pace, that would not have been uh, the case. So I, I just I don't quite understand it. I never will. I think a huge part of playing on primetime, whether it's Thursday, whether it's Sunday night, or whether it's Monday night, it's a standalone game. This is not college football, where you're all playing on one day no matter what, and everyone's, even if you're playing at night, there are several games going. In the NFL, you get Monday night by yourself. You get Sunday night by yourself. You get Thursday night by yourself. And it's a really big deal. Even in a league full of a bunch of millionaires, right? It's It's cool. And I think it gets diminished tonight. And listen, I do I, I guess I have a, a horse in this race, I guess, because I have to talk about it. So I got to watch both games, but I got multiple TVs. It's not the inability to consume two games at once. I, I just don't understand. I don't understand the logic. And if you're ESPN, you got, you know, one game on this channel, the other game on this other channel, even though there was a story today that ABC is going to carry all the Monday night games as well as ESPN because of the writer's strike. Listen, that's something out of everyone's control. Uh, I, I guess some of the studios, some stuff's in their control, or maybe Netflix or Apple TV or whatever just gives up their streaming numbers, which they don't plan on doing. But I I, I just I, I just can't wrap my head around it. I, I don't understand it. I don't like it. And I think it takes away from, I don't know if the pageantry is the right word, but the power uh, of just playing as the lone game. For all the players, all the coaches, all the fans there, anyone listening to this that has been to Monday Night Football, it feels a little cooler, right? Listen, I've been to a lot of afternoon NFL games when other games are going. That's cool, too. But something pretty special about Monday Night Football, and I think the the doubleheader, I got it historically. Remember, like, uh, when Chris Berman and Trent Dilfer opening night, totally understand. It's week two, and there's other weeks with it as well, so... I'll just never get behind it. Let's end with this. Making it look easy by my friends at Morgan & Morgan. Two weeks in a row, I thought coming into the Monday night game, it's like, ah, I'm going to have to give some shine to McDaniel, Tua, and Tyreek. And the Monday night game happens. And J, and excuse me, not JJ, TJ. I I texted a buddy in the NFL tonight. I said, listen, I'm not saying he's as good as JJ, (laughs) but he's like headed that way. Right, he's he's on the path to if he keeps playing like this for several more years, we're gonna be like, is there that big of a gap between the two guys? I mean, JJ's a first ballot Hall of Famer. TJ Watt is also on that path as a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is such an elite player. The ability to constantly get in the backfield, his relentless energy, 
He plays the run well. The touchdown, the instincts, just pick up the ball. Clearly, I think Highsmith has benefited just from being around him, learning. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy, and I loved watching J.J. before the injury started taking a toll, kicking ass and taking names on a weekly basis. I'd pay to just watch T.J. Watt rush the passer. So you you talk about making it look easy. No one fits that better than than T.J. Watt. Brought to you by Morgan & Morgan. Forthepeople.com slash John or pound law, pound 529 on your cell phone. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code JOHN, J-O-H-N. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL with code John, J-O-H-N, the crown is yours. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, let's hit on a couple quick things. And let's start with the Denver Broncos. It's over. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson... This thing is over before it even started. And I was thinking about it today. Think how many couples you know, whether it's your friends, whether it's your parents' friends when you're younger, 
whether it's your, you know, your wife, your girlfriend's friends, where you go out with them or you're around them and you go, this is never going to work. The zero chance. <laughs> this is, and if they are married, this thing's going to end sooner or later. That's Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. This was a marriage that was forced on each other. Sean Payton in a million years, in the last couple of years, would never pick Russell Wilson to be his quarterback. One, from a personality standpoint, they don't really mesh. Think of who Sean Payton liked. He wanted Patrick Mahomes like five years ago. Remember, that's who the Chiefs were scared was going to trade up for. Him. Sean Payton really is an old school coach. Kind of negative. <laughs> you know, kind of angry. Really good offensive coach. But he's not Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky smiling all the time when he's in the building. And I've known people that have played for him and, and been around him. And Russell's the opposite. And Collins talked about this. He's a very optimistic, everything's you know going to turn out sunshine and rainbows. And right now it's turning out incompletions and losses. And at the end of the day, even if your personalities don't fit, if you win or you're a great player, a coach is going to want to work with you. Russell Wilson no longer does either. He's not a good player, and he doesn't win. Since he's been the quarterback in Denver, their record is 4-13. and 13. Like, they're losing all the time. Now, some of these losses, it's not all on him, but he clearly is a shell of himself, and he makes way more money than his talent and the outcome of his abilities show now, right? If he was a free agent, what would he get? Someone might take, like, some non-guaranteed flyer on the guy, but he clearly would not be making $40, $45 million a year and have the contract which he has that's going to be on Denver's books for a while. Now, people ask me, like, how are they going to get out of this? I don't know. I, I don't think it's it's possible to trade him. No team is trading to put that contract on the books. Even if you could get him for literally nothing. Like, hey, send us uh, two balls, a pair of cleats, uh, two hot dogs, and uh, a nacho and we will give you Russell Wilson. Like, that team would say no, because they would have to take back a contract. So I, I do not think, and you never say never, because we've seen in the NBA, it's like, this guy's not tradable, and he ends up getting traded. In football, that's not the case. It's why so many guys, honestly, who could still play, get cut. Because, like, yeah, we're not taking the contract. Look at Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, they could not trade him because he made $14 million. It was just, just, it was just numbers, right? It's like, we want him on our team, but you know we we value him at six, seven, eight million dollars. We cannot take fourteen million dollars. Every million, two million, five million, ten million in a cap, you know, in terms of cap space, in terms of dead cap, in terms of guarantee, is very important to any team builder. So this thing's over. Like the divorce is imminent. Now there are complications to the divorce, right? I'm sure we've all known people who don't like each other, are essentially divorced, but don't do it maybe because the guy has money right? It's actually cheaper to stay together for all parties involved, but it's like, they're broken up. Like this thing's over. Like, you don't need to tell me he's been cut to know that like Sean Payton's already moved on. He said it yesterday. Like he's already got to cut the verbiage in the place because Russell can't say them in the huddle. And let's face it. Did Pete Carroll actually give him an easy place to play? Because all Russell ever did was complain, and all they did was win. Yet he comes to Denver, they put it all on his plate, and he was completely overwhelmed. I mean, last year, what was the story that came out? He would be at the line of scrimmage and try to audible, and he would short-circuit and say the Seattle audibles. And the wide receivers and the tight ends would be like, what is he talking about? What, what did he just say? I don't even know what that means. And this year, clearly Sean Payton is not hold your hand, smile, and hug you every day. 
is intense and giving him long play calls that I don't know, Drew Brees executed for a long period of time. Russell can't even get him in and out of the huddle. So, and then he says after the game, Sean Payton says it's not working out. Russell said it's fine. This thing's over. Uh, I, I don't know how the outcome is going to, what's going to happen, what year he's going to be cut, whether he's benched, whether they tell him to go away. But I think it's all on the table now uh, moving forward. And it's a complicated situation because of the contract, but their relation, this, this thing was probably over before it started. The Bears. I heard a pretty jarring stat today, which I guess I would have known, but I don't know. I, I It still stood out to me. And I don't know if a lot of people realize this, even though they obviously they drafted one. Part of the reason we don't look at the Bears, the team that drafted one, because they made that trade so early. So they ended up drafting ninth, but they were the worst team in the NFL last year. Worse than the Texans, worse than Denver. Like it was the Bears. And part of the reason the Bears were, they did not win a game last year in November or December. I think, and they played in January too now with the, you know, 17 games. They have not won a game since late October 2022. I'm recording this September 18th, 2023. They have lost 12 straight games. Now, no one is going to argue with you when you talk about Justin Fields today. He's not very good. You can't win with the guy. He lacks quarterback skills that you need to play well on Sundays. Worked on Saturdays. I liked him as a prospect. I was wrong. He's terrible. But I think you also have to ask yourself, because I've been saying this, like Chicago, even if he sucks, is going to be in good position because they'll lose a lot of games and then they'll just have a bad record. So they'll draft high. And they also have, I'm recording this part before the Monday night game. Carolina's not any good either. I, I'd be shocked if Carolina won more than five games. But they could get two picks in the top five. They're going to be in good position. But you also have to ask yourself, even if you have a terrible team, shouldn't you figure out a way to win a game during a 12-game losing streak? That kind of reminds me of the Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson, except I don't know. They were trying to lose. The Bears are trying to win these games. They are not tanking. They are trying and putting all their chips in the middle of the table. This is not the desired outcome. I thought, and I thought a lot about it. Them not cutting Chase Claypool tells me everything they need to know about their operation. And I know he scored a touchdown against Tampa, but that was an easy moment to just kind of set the tone for every guy that Ryan Poles has drafted these last couple of years. That will never be tolerated around here, ever. Yet they saw him just keep practicing and he ended up playing and he had a touchdown. It's like, it's just cool to do that and you'll just say you're sorry and keep battling. That's not what winning teams do. And is Eberflus a good coach? How could anyone say that? Does Ryan Poles know what he's doing? I don't know. Do you feel good if you're a Bears fan about these guys? If this continues and you win three or four games, these guys running your operation next year? Is this the type team Caleb and his dad were talking about that we, we will not go there? <laughs> like, are you that operation where Caleb pulls an Eli Manning or John Elway? Listen, Chicago, I've never been there, but I don't even need to go there to say it's an awesome city. It's a great sports town. And they love their football team, which is a massive brand. It's, in theory, it should be one of the biggest deals in the sport. But they have just been consistently shitty for so long. And it gets back to a couple things. One, ownership's cheap. Two, they, they clearly have not hired well. And this current group, like, they're starting to get to the line of embarrassment. Have, have not won a game in 12 games? 
12 games. It's one thing Aaron Rodgers beat you. It's another thing to kind of get shoved around by Baker Mayfield. Eberflus is a defensive guy. So I, I think the, the coach and the GM, this is the NFL, man. Things change so fast. Now, the ownership is cheap. Are they going to want to fire these guys? I'm not saying they, they do or will. But I think if you're a fan, you got to wonder, is, is this the group that we want pulling the trigger moving forward when we got all these picks coming? I don't know. I, I don't because they are, they're getting worse. Couple other things, some major injuries. I mean, Saquon had a bad ankle roll. He's going to be out several weeks. They play the 49ers this Thursday. That thing will be ugly. Uh, but the Giants did save their season by winning that game. I never understand. You know, you draft this guy. He's making plays in the preseason. You don't have that explosive of an offense. You don't score a point in week one. Why do you have to wait till the second half to like unleash Jalen Hylett? Like, why don't you just throw him the ball the first couple? Like, what are we doing? I never understand why coaches, when you have young players who are really talented, it's one thing if it's Chase Claypool and he's like character guy and he's kind of driving us. It's another thing. It's like, well, he's a rookie. He's got to earn his stripes. No, it's like, this is the big leagues. <laughs> just just run him deep. He's pretty fast. He, he sparked, from what I watched, he sure sparked that team going uh, because if they lost to the Cardinals and then they would lose to the Niners, you'd be talking about, th- there'd be no coming back from 0-3. They, they, they'd be in major, major trouble. Then they play, I think, Seattle week four. I mean, you, you could be looking at a five or six win team. Now, you, even if you lose the Niners, you you know, you get 10 days, so you play Seattle. If you can get to two and two, then you just try to somehow get the 10 wins, right? Uh, the Burrow thing, he looks off. There was no, every time I looked up, Lamar looks fantastic. And, and Joe Burrow, if you didn't know he was Joe Burrow, you would think the Bengals just have some average to below quarterback. And I, I, I do wonder if that calf injury has been not just nagging him, but not remotely close to 100%. He clearly re-aggravated it. Uh, Schefter made a comment like, he's not guaranteed to play this week. Uh, if Burrow's missing some games, the Bengals, their season could get weird fast. It really could. Because I, I saw Shannon Sharp say something like, most guys don't get healthier as the season goes on. So when you have early season injuries, hamstrings, calves, like the, how do you like... Even if you take a week off, you're always worried about re-aggravating it. Play quarterback, people are hitting you low. You got to scramble a little bit just naturally because your offensive line's been getting smoked. So that, w- that would be pretty concerning. I mean, Lamar, this was the the push is like pay the guy and just unleash him. Just get him in the right headspace. He's worth it. Can he win in the playoffs? Only time will tell, and we'll have to learn that the next couple of years. But when he's right as a regular season player, he is dominant. He looks really, really good. Say Flowers looks fantastic. We know organizationally they're just a high-level, you know, operation. So Lamar Jackson's a fun player to watch. I, I don't have much to say about Brandon Staley. It's just par for the course. Um, Kansas City gave Mahomes a ton of money, which I, they didn't really have a choice. <laughs> Once all these other guys are getting paid, you, you got to break off your cash cow and your moneymaker. So not surprised at that at all. Uh, I think the Chiefs, if I'm a Chiefs fan, listen, the offense clearly is a work in progress, but we got one of the greatest offensive coaches ever. We have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. We have one of the greatest tight ends ever. We have a really good offensive line and a good running back. We're going to be okay. Uh, I think the thing to be excited about is do we have a top five defense. Like, is our defense legitimately a powerhouse? <laughs> like, is this, are we a defensive team now? Because if you give Andy Reid a defense, watch out. If they got a defense, which they sure as hell look like they got one to me, they've drafted a bunch of DBs these last couple of years. They look pretty good. 
Uh, we know how good Chris Jones is. Karlovskis, they drafted. Their linebackers are fast. She's have a defense. How are they not in the Super Bowl again? Them Miami, AFC Championship game? Okay, let's bang out a little mailbag. You guys know the drill. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open. Fire in to get your question answered here on the show. Okay, let's start with uh, Connor. Longtime listener. Broncos Wilson question. Heard you mention several times that we're stuck with Wilson for the next few years. I understand there's a penalty for cutting players on contract, but isn't it true if there's a will, there's a way in the NFL? What are the exact ramifications if we bench release Wilson and roll with Stidham or a rookie quarterback in the draft? By stuck, do you mean it would be idiotic? Yeah, I don't mean, there's not like a, an NFL PA rule. And obviously you can bench him, right? You just have to pay him. He, he makes an extreme amount of money. And when you pay a guy, I, I don't have the exact guarantee. I actually looked at the contract breakdown earlier today in terms of for the next several years, right? 23, 24, and 25, if you just cut the player outright, it creates an enormous amount of dead cap. Meaning if the salary cap is $250 million, that let's just pick an even number to make it this example. Let's just say you cut him in two years. You have $50 million in dead cap or $40 million for a player who's not on your team. So yeah, you, you can cut him. So when I say stuck, it you, you can't cut him after this year. The, the dead cap is too big for 2024, maybe in two years, but here's the problem. Let's just say you guys keep losing, which we talked about it earlier, that the match between the head coach and the quarterback I would say as human beings, clearly, they're just, they, they've never been a match. And listen, not every quarterback and head coach are BFFs or have the same personality because when you're a good player and a good coach, it just works, right? But if Russell's no longer a good player, they're just kind of screwed. And I think big picture is just, I don't blame them for making the move. It's so easy for people to say in, in Seattle, like we saw this coming. I, I think every human being, every fan, and every GM in the league, if they were in that spot, would have made that deal. I mean, there have been reports that the Eagles, we we all consider, and I've seen it firsthand, how he's one of, if not the best in the business. Tried to make the deal. And Russell said no. So it's not, it's pretty crazy what happened. Like, it's not just a, oh, it's kind of a slow bleed. Like, it's a precipitous fall off a cliff that's expensive. I mean, that's, it, it's a double whammy. So, yeah, I, Listen, I think that depending on how this year goes, I, I have a hard time seeing them cut him. But as I talked about earlier, he's not a tradable player at, at that amount of money. It was hard to trade Trey Lance. He makes like $4 million. Hot take from Colorado game. I like this question. I've watched heard so many talking heads calling for the suspension of Henry Blackburn for quote-unquote targeting Travis Hunter late. If the responsibility falls on anyone, it's Coach Prime. He gassed the situation from week one. If you talk big, everyone is going to give you their best shot. Literally. I don't agree with Blackburn with what he did, but all the emotional highs stem from Dion's mouth. Said to say, I saw this coming. Prime is that good. So act like you've been there before because with high expectations because you have. I had the same thought. I don't mind anyone talking ever because eventually you have to back it up. When the coach is the one constantly talking, like, he doesn't have to play. And listen, I worked at a school that was not an equal to a lot of teams we played. 
When I was at Fresno State, like we were playing Wisconsin, we were playing UCLA. It was a big freaking deal for everyone on that team to kind of show out. Now, most of those games were not contentious through the media, right? But if someone on one of those teams, especially a famous person, a coach or a star player, had said something, the guys on our team, some of them might have crossed the line. That's football. It's happened forever. Usually the guy talking the most, like when I was a kid, it was the you. Well, they had the best players, so no one was going to clap back. And I'm fascinated to see, does Dion? I don't care. Like, I find it entertaining. I think a lot of the media is over hot. One, Dion's rating right now, so they're constantly going there for game day. Like, it's rating. It, it, they're not going there because it's a cool story. It literally rates on television. And I think a lot of people in the media, now some of them are like legitimately friends with them, right? Michael Irvin, Shannon Sharp. I mean, these guys have known Dion forever. But then everyone else is like trying to buddy-buddy with him when he's the head coach at Florida or Alabama or whatever the next couple of years. I don't, I don't blame them. If you cover college football, I'd try to get in good with him too. But like, this is not going to stop. I, we'll see how this week plays out with Oregon. Every single dude on Oregon's defense, fair or not, probably thinks of themselves as an NFL guy. So if something gets said throughout the week, like those guys are going to not look at Colorado as their equals. And it may turn out they are. Like, I don't know who's going to win the game. It's a it's a huge, Oregon's a big favorite. But like Dan Lanning comes from the SEC. Now, I are they Georgia? Of course not. But I'd keep an eye on some of these better teams. Now, USC is not wired like that. I mean, Lincoln ain't. But I already got Washington State has guys to me that would remind me of some of the teams that like Fresno State. They have guys that have been overlooked that, you know, everyone's going to, depending on what the records are, Washington State's good this year. And no one is going to give a shit about Washington State that week. And like, I'm sorry, this is a competitive sport. People take that shit personally. This is, you know, how some of these guys plan on feeding their families at the next level to kind of draw a line in the sand. It's Plus, it's a violent game. Now, was that a cheap shot for sure? Some of these comments I've seen on the internet, the guy should be like kicked out of football. It's like, give me a break. You should suspend him for a week. Okay, I, I would have no problem with that. But like some of the reactions over the top. If, if I was one of these guys, like I don't want a piece. Every guy, older guy right now that played in the league in the 90s and the early 2000s that is being over the top about this kid were part of things that were very, very similar to this, right? Because football is all about drawing a line in the sand. You're either going to get pushed around and lose or say, fuck this. Someone's getting lit up. Now, the game has changed. You're not headhunting, but, and listen, I don't, it sucks Travis Hunter's hurt. I don't want him to, I don't want him to play, but I don't think it's the last of this. Now, it'll be very, very interesting. Like you said, Prime gassed it up. It, it got pretty outrageous last week. Uh, like, I, I just, it kind of jumped the shark for me, but now it's getting real. Like, you're going to play Oregon. You're going to play USC. You eventually play Utah. I mean, you play UCLA. Like, you play, this, these guys got guys also going to the league that think they're better than you. Like, Colorado State, I can't, who cares? I, I didn't even watch the game, but no one viewed them as equals, even though it's college football, and at any moment, a game can be close. But, like, they're playing teams now where they are going to be massive underdogs. Right? What is it? 20 points this week. Well, let's say they lose. What's it going to be next week against USC? USC plays... I don't even know who USC plays this week, but they're going to kill them, whoever they... I think they play ASU. Like, USC might be a 20-point favorite on the road at Colorado. The game's at 9 o'clock, you know, on Fox. 
So big noon kickoff is going to be there again. It's just going to keep getting amped up. And Dion's one of the best players I've ever seen in my entire life. But he's not playing anymore. So you talk a bunch of shit, like your guys are crossing the middle. Like, it's, for example, Shiloh, like he plays defense. So it's like he gets to hit. But his son's the quarterback. And his boys are, you know, the running back is close family friend, the little wide receiver. You know, I just don't think it's going to stop. It's not the way football works. Same soccer. That's not a shot. I enjoy high-level soccer, though the MLS Messi has kind of rendered that irrelevant in terms of the talent. I think we all have to agree. Can someone tell Dan Campbell to stop going for it on fourth down? They don't have the Niners or Cowboys defense. It costs them momentum in the game. You have to understand that the front offices and so many of these owners, obviously most owners are business-oriented people. Well, what do business-oriented people know? Spreadsheets, numbers, percentages. So when you say, hey, when we go for it in these situations, we are, let's say, 30% more likely to win the game or score a touchdown or get a scoring drive. They're behind it. Like th- these owners, Brandon Staley used to do it like in insane spots, but he was doing it because he knew the front office and ownership were behind it. Dan Campbell's not going to stop. And some of it's, you know, might be a gut feel or, you know, what he learned for Sean Payton to kind of be a gunslinger. But I'll promise you this. Like, it's going to continue. And when you see all these teams, and a lot of teams go for it now, all the time, you have to understand the people with the money, aka the people signing the checks, the owners, are cool with it because they speak that language. So it's it's not only not going to stop, it's it's probably going to get more outrageous as time goes on. And I'm not even just talking Dan Campbell. I'm just talking in general. Listen, I, I think you lost that game for two reasons. One, Geno was awesome. Like, Geno played, that's got to be one of his better games in Seattle. Uh, especially coming off a you know a down game for him, his numbers week one looked worse than his actual play. I, I watched that game last week uh, in the middle of the week. He actually wasn't that bad, but he he was good against you guys and, and got through the pick six like that. That was a <laughs> I mean that's a huge swing. Chiefs fan here who doesn't really understand how the salary cap aspect of the new restructured deal benefit the team raising his per average and couldn't they have just kept him at how much he was making already because he signed a 10-year deal listen obviously they were never going to cut Patrick Mahomes so I the guaranteed money with the overwhelming percentage of quarterbacks right most of them are not in Russell Wilson situation is kind of irrelevant because you play out your entire contract but once some of these guys started getting the amount of money and technically a lot of his guarantees were over you kind of had to take care of the guy, right? Multiple MVPs, face of the league. He is making so much money for the franchise that I I don't think they really had a choice um, to do something like this. Does it impact their salary cap a little bit? For sure. Anytime you give guaranteed money, it impacts the cap. Now, because of the length of the deal, you can always push it back. I haven't looked at the exact breakdown of the cap numbers. Uh, Not that I'm some capologist, but... If I give you $100 million guaranteed of a five-year contract, I can backload the the hit on my salary cap, or I can do it evenly. I can I can do it however I need to do it. So I, I don't think it's that big a deal. They, they clearly have a pretty good idea what they're doing when it comes to uh when it comes to salary cap. But I but I don't think I don't think they really had a choice. How ironic would it be if Trey Lance wins a Super Bowl with the Cowboys on the bench before Kyle Shanahan wins one? with the 49ers. Uh, you know, I 
to me, there's no connection there. <laughs> He's the third string quarterback. Third string quarterback. He clearly, the Cowboys are awesome, and they'll probably play the Niners again in the playoffs for the third straight year. But Trey Lance has nothing to do with either team. He was never going to play a snap for this 49er team, and he's never going to play a snap for this Cowboy team unless catastrophic injuries happen. It, it would take catastrophic injuries happening for him to take one snap. So I hear what you're saying a little bit, but I, I think I, I can't. I don't think he has anything to do with the Cowboys. He, d- he d- literally doesn't. We watch them play, and he's not a part of it. Do you think Herbert should have held out on his extension to make the Chargers pay for a legitimate coach? Do you think there's anything he can do to get them good enough head coach? Or does it seem lost his leverage? Or does it seem like he lost all of his leverage because of the extension? Well, <laughs> it's easy to say, and it doesn't sound that crazy when I read your question. You would have to be in your 20s pretty freaking ruthless to do that. Like, I am not signing extension. I'm not showing up to training camp unless you get rid of this coach. And that assumes maybe he likes him personally. I, I don't, I have no clue about Herbert and Brandon Staley's personal, you know, working relationship. But I would say knowing people that have been around Herbert, I know a ton of scouts that, you know, do Oregon extensively. That's not really his MO and his resume, regardless of how he, you know, he feels. So is that move, could someone do it? Of course. Like he did that. He's, if he would have said this off season, it's, I, I'm never going to sign an extension here if you don't get rid of this guy. The problem is this isn't the NBA. I always get back to that. This is not the NBA. So the Chargers would have been like, yeah, let's just assume, I, unless I don't know why they would want to get into a fight with Herbert, but you're not going to be a free agent. So what does that mean? You're going to play your fifth year option then we'll tag you and we'll tag you again. Like you're just not going to go anywhere. So it's it's more complicated than, in theory, how it should be kind of easy. You got to be ruthless, and a lot of these guys, you know, are in their mid to late twenties. It's one. It's let's let's face it. When Aaron Rodgers started kind of being a little more cutthroat, he was thirty seven, thirty eight years old. Rodgers a little bit older than me, but it's it's much easier, you know, to I don't know, be more aggressive in business when you just have more experience in life. Right, it, mo- most people are not wheeling and dealing at 26 years old. Right, it's easier to do it at 40. Look at Tom. Tom and Bill finally had enough. Tom was like 42 years old, so it's much, much more difficult to do at 20. I, I don't blame him for just kind of staying out of it. it. And honestly, it shouldn't be on him. It's not his. Indirectly, it is his problem, but it's not his problem. He's not the one that runs the organization. He doesn't own the team. I love sending you questions, and I have another. With the Jets and Broncos as good examples, say they end up in the top five range and they're able to draft a Sanders or a May Mays because of huge money, they're literally stuck. Well, the the Jets would not be if somehow they end up going four or five wins, which I, I'm gonna judge them more this week. I think they play the Pats. Last week, that that was a bad that's a bad matchup for Aaron Rodgers. Like they're losing that game. I think the Cowboys beat him with Aaron Rodgers nine out of ten times. It's just, the, how are they going to block Micah Parsons? Obviously, they didn't. I don't think that's changing with Aaron. Now, maybe the game plan, he gets rid of the ball. You know, Zach missed some open guys. He definitely missed one guy in the red zone. But uh, 
I, I guess the roundabout way of saying it, I think neither would hesitate. Could you see the Bears trading for Kyler if they don't get a top quarterback prospect? I think they'll be in the mix to get a top quarterback prospect. <laughs> 100%. I, I have a hard time seeing them go. If Justin Fields continues to do what he's doing and is terrible, them trading for Kyler Murray. I, I just, I, I don't see it. I look forward to the Sean Payton Bronco stuff. The Hackett under the bus insult stuff is aging kind of hilariously. Kind of is. I hadn't even thought about that angle. Sometimes, listen, is Nathaniel Hackett a good coach as an offensive coordinator? I, I have a hard time saying yay or nay. Clearly, as a head coach, he was overwhelmed with the time management and some of that stuff. But let's face it, Russell Wilson was not his fault. That's Russell Wilson. Assuming the Raiders have an average to below average year, do you see us taking a quarterback along those lines? What quarterback do you think McDaniels would wish to select, seeing as most, mostly he likes pocket quarterbacks? Hopefully Mark Davis can pull his head out of his ass, fire Mickey D's, and hire someone good at their job. Listen, I mean, Josh, the majority of his career worked with Tom, who he had nothing to do with drafting. When he was in charge, he drafted Tim Tebow. That obviously didn't go that well. Uh, I, I do think he clearly liked Mac Jones. So Mac is more athletic version of, I would say, like a Jimmy. You know, in theory, he should have liked Derek Carr. They clearly did not see eye to eye. So I, I have no clue. Uh, I, I really don't. I mean, they're going to be, I don't think the Raiders would get the number one overall pick. So if Caleb's off the table, you know, the I think a lot of people like Drake May. I, I texted with you know, higher up this weekend, right as the North Carolina game was kicking off. And I was about to go out and do a little day drink. And I said, what's this guy's, is Drake May the real deal? He said, he's very, very good. So, I mean, we're looking at a guy who feels like a lock number two pick. Assuming Shador Sanders does not come out, given that, you know, Travis Hunter's coming back and his brother's there. So if Shador comes out, then I, I think him and Drake May would be in the mix for number two. I, I think Caleb unless something crazy happens like off the field is is almost set in stone at number one. Now they play, so I, I would never say never in life or sports. The Eagles' new ace OC is getting some flack after not having good offensive performances, rightfully so. They have a top five tight end and a top two or three wide receiver duo, one of the best O-lines in football. But isn't it a positive sign that in a Vikings game he realized what wasn't working and kept pounding what was? Play calling is difficult, and there's no real way to practice it. The fact that he adjusted in-game is a positive sign. How many times do we see coordinators adjust? Seems like a lot of guys just keep pounding their head against the wall, expecting different results. There's going to be some growing pains, but no one seems to really be pointing out the thing he did well. Here's what you have to realize. In the NFC, the Eagles, Cowboys, and 49ers are just judged off each other. No one is in their world. Like the, It's like college football right now. It's like Georgia or Alabama when they were really good or Clemson when they were really good. They're on a different level than everybody else. So th there's no teams in the conference. Seattle, the Rams, the Vikings, turns out they suck. But all, all these teams, the Giants, like they're, they're not remotely as good as these guys. So the only way to win the NFC, and they're all going to play each other because the NFC West plays the NFC East, and like Colin and I talked about, it's just a three-team race. So you're just judged based on the other three teams. And think of part of being an offensive coordinator for the Eagles is like, you got to beat Dan Quinn and that defense, and you got to beat the 49ers defense. So th those are the games that he's going to get judged on. I hear you. I mean, I my rule of thumb in general, I would say definitely past like Halloween, 
you could even argue by like early October, once you get to like week four or five. Thursday night game, who cares what it looks like? J- just win and get out of there. Eagles won. Now, I, I think we're a little harsher. It was the first Thursday night game of the year. So it's the wear and tear of having like a Thursday night game in December. It's a little different. But I do think it's fair to say, I, I think what concerns people is Jalen got all this money because he looked like an MVP. Anytime that you take over as an offensive coordinator for a guy that looks like an MVP, you get judged on that standard. That's why it's like, is Ken Dorsey any good? That's what everyone keeps asking. Does the guy know what he's doing? It's like, well, he took over Josh Allen, who was playing like an MVP for Brian Dayball in the last couple of years. It's been a roller coaster ride. And then he played the Raiders and he looked like an MVP again. So I hear what you're saying. I, I, I do. But I, I do think you get judged to higher standards. I was tweeting the same things yesterday against when Steve Wilkes was getting lit up by Sean McVay. He's not held to just, oh, just be a good defensive coordinator. Robert Sala was really good. Got a job. D'Amico came in, was even better. That's who he's being compared to. Now, in fairness, you know, takes a couple weeks. You just got Nick Bosa. You got to learn. But new coordinators are held to high standards when they're taking over for a really good team. Wondering your thoughts on Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman. Off to a hot start, first-round quarterback prospect. I would have said coming into the season, knowing the age, no. Because not that I care that much about age. And if he plays 10 years, multiple contracts, who really cares? And 35 in 10 years is probably the new 31. But he's going to be 25 next football season. So you're drafting a guy who's 25 years old. Now, they're going to play some really big games, right? (laughs) Starting this week, they have Ohio State. There are going to be a lot of people. The amount of scouts at that game, it's it'll be eye-opening. And just in general, I mean, you start getting some of these conference matchups, USC, Colorado, right? Clemson, Florida State, Georgia. I don't know. Georgia doesn't play Bama, I don't think. But, you know, Bama, LSU, th- those Michigan, Ohio State, like you go to those. Those are the games you go to. And if you're scouting Sam Hartman, I want to see him in this environment. So... I would say he's a TBD right now. Um, I, I know I texted with someone the other day that thought he was a third-day prospect coming into this season based off previous film, which sounds worse than it is. Like, what's wrong? That He can go in the fourth round. You know, A lot of guys go in the fourth, fifth round, and now start. Sam Howell, fifth-round pick, starting. Brock Purdy, seventh-round pick, starting. They're in the second year of their careers. So... He's going to get judged. I'm not saying they threw stuff out at Wake Forest because his numbers at Wake Forest were really impressive, but this year's big for him. It it, it really is. And right now, dramatically better than he was. His last two years at Wake Forest, he was like 39 and 14, 38 and 12. And clearly at Wake Forest, they're not as good as some of the teams they're playing, you know, Florida State, Clemson. But his completion percentage was never that high. And this year so far, now they haven't really played anybody but he's 70%, 13 touchdowns, no picks. So I I would say right now, you could argue Shador was an unknown, right? Probably no one has helped their stock more, but what was his stock? He didn't have a grade, right? I've got news for you. No one gave him a grade coming out of Jackson State. Sam Hartman was on everyone's radar, right? Just like the Florida State wide receiver that had the big game against LSU. Like, that guy was a Michigan State. Everyone was watching that guy because they had, like, a second-round grade on him. The season ends. That guy's probably going to go in the first round, right? So Hartman's a guy, 
fourth, fifth rounder. And who knows? Maybe someone liked him as a third rounder. Probably not. Just And I'm just looking at the stats. I didn't watch him at Wake Forest. You have a year where you throw like 45 touchdowns, lead Notre Dame to a playoff berth, and you keep balling against the big boys? I, I'm fascinated to watch him. I got to go to a wedding this week. That game's at 430. Well, I'll be I'll be in the bathroom watching some watching some games on my phone. So he's got Ohio State. Then he's got at Duke, who clearly is not bad. They play USC. Still plays Clemson. They got a pretty good schedule. I mean, they they really do. These next two weeks are huge. And then Clemson, who's obviously not that good, and USC, but they got NFL bodies. You got NFL bodies. People in the league watch. Have a comment, then a question. I was prepared to ask you to apologize to the Rams if we beat the Niners yesterday, but as a Rams fan, I'm still pumped. My question is, given how well the Rams have looked the first two weeks without Cup, do you believe the the Rams are a legit contender in the NFC once he comes back? I, I talked about this with Colin yesterday. I said, listen, I, I was wrong. Through two weeks, one, Stafford looks really good and healthy. And McVay is just, he's pretty dialed right now. Not that he wasn't last year, but it just took a toll on him. They hit on some young guys. Young, zero, the pass rusher is just, he's a playmaker. And clearly Puka Natua is, I mean, setting records. Tutu Atwell's coming on. Uh, The running back they have, Williams from Notre Dame, is pretty solid. Cam Akers, for whatever reason, just will not listen to McVay. Listen, as someone who, you know, I, I I can struggle to listen to authority a time or two in my life. How, who doesn't listen to Sean? It's like, well, I, I don't understand their relationship. Last year, hated each other. They, they just were not on the same page. But then by the end of the year, they were like, okay, we're cool again. Then this year, it felt like everything was cool. Plays week one, and then something happens in the last six or seven days. I'm fascinated by Cam Akers and Sean McVay. Frustrating to be a Bengals fan because I think we could absolutely upgrade from Zach Taylor, but our team is talented enough to win enough games that he'll never get fired. I mean, this guy does not know how to scheme Jamar Chase open of all guys. Two straight 0-2 starts, just frustrating. I think this year's a little different than last. Uh, I'd be lying. I don't even remember your first two games last year. I mean, I know you started 0-2. Joe looked. Clearly, he's injured right now, and he might not play this week. I think that calf probably worse these first couple games than they even let on. And he re-aggravated it. To me, the eye test is just not there. And if Joe Burrow is not going to play well, you guys are just not going to win. And your defense, let's face it, you lost some pieces. That's been an underrated part of the Bengals the last couple years is Coach Lou and the defense was really good. And then I watched Lamar Jackson kind of run circles around him. So that's, to me, that would be a little concerning. But yeah, you'd know better than me about just his play calling on a game-in, game-out, random opponents. It it does feel like Joe Burrow has a little bit, like, I'll barrel everyone out, all right? Where when you watch the Chiefs, for example, you go like, obviously Mahomes bails him out, but also Andy does as much for the scheme and the play calling it's a two-way street, right? They're they're in it arm in arm. Sometimes it feels, at least in my experience, as someone who's objective, no bias, I honestly don't even care. Uh, I feel like at first I didn't like Zach Taylor just because everyone else didn't like him, but I, I don't really necessarily have an opinion because he's won a lot. 
But I, I do think it's fair to say it feels like Joe bails you out and definitely the two wide receivers just make plays out of their ass. I don't know how often you repeated people for mailbag questions, but if you see this, I got something for you. I'd like to see Belichick move on from us after the season and go to the Chargers. Am I crazy for that? I know you say they need an offensive guy, but with Kellen Moore, they have the talent. Belichick can actually have the defense right away. Yeah, I mean, I I don't hate that. Uh, I, I, I do think the Patriots are a couple more losses away. Are they looking at a six-win season? And I understand he's chasing almost a Dean Spanos. He's chasing Don Shula. He's trying to break this record. But I, I remember Don Shula at the end was pretty, it wasn't great, right? I, is this how Belichick's going to go out with the Patriots? But I also don't see him quitting. So he's going to have, they're going to have to force him out. And do they have the balls to do that? I, I don't think they do if he's able to get like eight, nine wins. Y you win six and it's really, really ugly. Like it hasn't been super ugly yet. To me, it hasn't been. They've actually been better this year than last year. And didn't he go eight, nine, which not good enough. But I, that'd be awesome. Here's the thing with Bill, with uh, Belichick. Bill's used to making a lot of money. And I understand football coaches, especially Bill, if you just saw his house or saw him pull up in a car, you, you would not know it. I think Bill Belichick's making like $20, 25000000 million a year. He was making the craft so much money over a 20-year span that if you told me Belichick was making $30 million a year, I'd kind of believe you, which also works against him. Once you start paying a guy based on previous performance and what he's worth. Like Belichick was worth $20 million in 2015, $25 million. So if they're paying him a boatload of money. Once it starts going the other way, you go, this doesn't add up. Why are we paying this guy that much? But on the flip side, like the Chargers, he, would he just go to the Chargers for three years, $30 million? You know, at 72 years old. Do you see Bill in LA? Culturally, he's a fit in the Northeast. Grumpy, belongs in the cold, I mean, he's, his nickname is The Hoodie. Is he just Manhattan Beach guy? Could you see Bill just kind of walking around Malibu shirtless, you know, in uh, in June? I have a hard time seeing that. You know, he, he's a Nantucket, Massachusetts, Providence. I don't even know. I don't know why I said Providence, but just that upper quartile of the country there. I just, I have a hard time seeing, oh, Bill just roaming around San Diego in his off day. I don't know. Don't see it. I would say a lot is on the table with Bill Belichick right now. A lot. Broncos fan, I'm out on Russell Wilson. Once he's out of the scripted plays, it's immediate and obvious he plays losing football consistently now. They had complete control of the game. What's crazy is I'm, I had it on one of those, like, uh, those four split games that YouTube TV does. And I kind of stopped paying attention because they were up 21-3. So I'm like, oh, they're going to win this game 30-13. to 13. And then I, I kind of peeked back I'm pretty sure it was, became 24 to 21 or Washington either had the lead or it tied the game. Like what the hell happened? If I were the Broncos, I'm doing whatever I can to get the guy the hell out of Denver. What if they gave him until they were out of the playoffs, put in Stidham for the rest of the season, draft a quarterback in the first round and make it clear to Wilson and his representation that he has no future on the Denver Broncos and only chance he has of sniffing the field again is if he takes a massive pay cut so they can trade him. Well, don't hate your logic and don't hate the mindset, but put yourself in Russell Wilson's shoes and go, they owe you X number of dollars, whatever that actual number is. Let's just pick an even number. They owe you a hundred more million dollars. They have to pay you, especially if they cut you. 
in what world would you take a pay cut to even, okay, let's just say that hundred went to 50. Who wants that $50 million? Imagine the pay cut Russell Wilson would have to take to make him a desirable asset. It would have to be an extraordinary pay cut in terms of, I mean, it'd have to go from like, if he's making $40 million a year, I don't know, 8 million for anyone to be interested. Cause if me and you are running a team, I wouldn't take him on at 20 million, let alone 40. But if you're Russell, why would you take, why would you even entertain that? You'd just say, cut me, make me a free agent, pay me my money. Businessman, it's, it's a contract. And the only thing you have your leverage as a player is that guaranteed money. And the Broncos gave it to him. So I, I don't think even taking a pay cut makes him a desirable piece on the open market. I, I actually think he's kind of toxic. And he's not a bad guy. He's not like he's some criminal. He's not like he's toxic like Antonio Brown. He's toxic because he's super famous. He's now super polarizing because of his play. And he makes a ton of money. And last year, like it felt like the last couple of years, his ego and his relatability in a locker room was not there. It's a huge knock on Carson Wentz. It's one of the reasons that Jalen was beloved and an easy move for Howie and Lurie to make because everyone liked him. People like Russ. I'm not saying they don't like Russ, but it doesn't feel like they're head over heels for the guy. How much longer Staley got? I know the Spanos is cheap. How was this guy ever the DC? His defenses have no discipline. Two personal fouls on third down leading to a touchdown. Wasting Herbert. I'm not even a Charger fan. I think if they start like one and four, one and five, that he's a midseason fire. And they just they just basically do a tryout period with with uh Kellen Moore. I have nothing left to say at this point. If you've been listening to me for a long time, I mean I've said everything there is to say. So I hear you. I, I think the only question now is when do they fire? And I, you know, this business is weird. Like I, I'm not I would never, ever root for anyone to get fired in life. It just, it, it's it's kind of weird. It's part of the business we talk about. But I'm also talking about a guy making probably $8 million who has no business making $8 million. A lot of phonies and frauds in sports, man, because of the amount of money in terms of executives and coaches. It's it's You can't be a phony or fraud as a player because even say what you want about Russell Wilson now, he had eight years of backing it up to deserve a contract. It just doesn't exist anymore, but he he earned that over his play, um, you know, for a long period of time. Like his resume spoke for itself. You can't fake it as a player. You, you can't, but you, you can fake it as coaches. You, you really can. You can be in better situations. Um, you can have your friends take care of you. Agents place guys now. And, and I think this guy, I'll say this. He, he had, he had the right guy kind of stamp, give him the stamp of approval early and that was Vic Fangio. Uh, but, and, and listen, I'm not saying the guy's not a good position coach, but he's, he's hell, he's coordinated in the NFL for one year. And it was a team that had Aaron Donald in the peak of his powers, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, pretty damn good players. Johnson, the dude that signed with the, the Browns, I think he's back on the Rams now. But I mean, they, they, go, go look at the roster in which he coached the year with the Rams. I'm writing in halftime. So maybe this question will age poorly. Are the Giants the worst team in the league? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. It's funny, man. Uh, it was not looking good. It, it was because they play the 49ers this Thursday. You're down 20 to nothing at half. You've been outscored your first six quarters, 60 to nothing. Lifeless. It's one thing to get your ass kicked by the Cowboys. They beat you, what, 12 of the last 13 times you've played? They, they're just better than you. 
it's another thing to go on the road at Arizona and lose that game. And you had to find a way to win it. Once you're down 20, nothing at halftime, like whatever style points out the window, just win the freaking game. And I'll say this, they won the freaking game. If you were the owners of the Raiders, how would you fix the team? What is it going to take for the Vegas to be a consistent winner? I texted someone this yesterday. I've been watching the Raiders very, very closely now for over a decade. No team. Let me repeat. No team that never drafts like one or two. A lot of the time they're like seven and 10 or eight and nine or nine and eight. Like they're just kind of six, seven wins. They get blown out more often for a team that isn't like drafting one more than any team in the league. I have seen, and any Raider fan knows this, you guys have been blown out more over the course of a decade than any team that's not tanking or destined to draft one. I think this Raider team's going to win seven games. Minimum. I, they might, I could see them win an eighth, but seven, eight games. And they're going to get blown out three or four times this year. It's crazy to watch. It happens all the time with this team. And I think it speaks to, obviously, defensively, they're just consistently not great. They have a ton of holes. They just have issues. Always. Now, part of it is you sign Chandler Jones to be Max Crosby's running mate. And through two weeks, Chandler Jones leads the NFL in tweets. Like, I, in his tweets, like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, what do you even say if you've seen his tweet threads? He hasn't played neither game. Clearly, there is something going on there. Team, player, I, I don't even know. Uh, some of the tweets, disturbing. It's just, it's a bizarre situation. But that, it just feels very Raiders. The Raiders are always in bizarre situations. They lead the league in bizarre situations and have most of my life. How bad can Fields look before he gets benched or traded? I don't think he has a, much trade value, uh, especially midseason. So... He's in his third year, so no team, if they traded for him, would pick up his fifth-year option. He was, what, the 11th pick, so he makes a decent amount of money. I was thinking about this last night after I got done with Colin. It is insane to think about that three quarterbacks who all stink. Zach Wilson might be the best, but even that. I mean, Trey Lance may never play another game in the NFL. He is not guaranteed to ever play another game in the NFL. Fields is completely overwhelmed, and Zach Wilson isn't good. All three of them got drafted above Micah Parsons, who feels like, not just if he doesn't get injured, a lock Hall of Famer, like one of the best players we've ever seen. <laughs> See that guy yesterday? I know they're playing the Jets, but holy cannoli. That guy looks like, that guy's incredible. All three of those guys. Can't play dead in a Western, and they got drafted over Micah Parsons. Weird year, 2020, but still. Even like Jalen Waddle and some of those guys, Justin Fields went after him. Right, Jamar Chase, Panesul. Micah Parsons, now part of it was, historically, Penn State, from a scouting perspective, is always very weird. They're not, they're not very open. Like, if you ask anyone that goes into Alabama or some of these schools, like, it's pretty easy to get information. You go into Penn State, maybe it's changed. A, I don't actually have heard it's not great. And there was some weird red flag stuff. Like, whatever. I used to look at Micah, like, high character guy, great human being. If you redid that draft, here's what I know for a fact. It goes Trevor Lawrence, Micah Parsons. That is a fact, Jack. Who goes third? We'd have to, we could debate that. But th there is no question who goes one and two. 
Okay, we got a lot of mailbag questions this week, so I think I will end on, I will end on, okay, we'll do one more. Question for the pod, sending this a week late as they just had an away game, but you've never heard, seen anything like the Chargers' non-home field advantage in L.A. There were points in the Miami game that they were going silent count in a home game. Seems like they are playing 14 to 15 away games per year. I just want Herbie to thrive. Fire Staley and go Ducks. The Rams are dealing with this too when they play the 49ers. I mean, that was like 75% Niner fans. Thing with LA is not only did they not have a team for whatever, two and a half decades, that's a long time. And LA is an enormous area with a lot of transplants. And the thing with the Rams, like whatever, you were gone, you left, people found new teams. The Chargers had a home. And I understand there were some financial issues and no one will support you when you argue with the politicians in California, the local politicians. They're always embarrassing. I've seen it with the Niners dealing with Santa Clara. I saw it with Oakland. The Oakland's the worst. But LA, San Diego, you name it. So I'm not even acting like Dean Spanos might have had some fair arguments. I don't even know what they were. But they should have found a way to stay. They really should have. But Dean, definitely not a visionary. And I understand, the thing I don't understand with a guy like Dean, who's just going to give it to his kids, we up the value of our franchise moving an hour north. Well, what does that mean? I don't, it's not like you're doubling your home value where you can take a HELOC out of it and use it to buy another home or something. Like, what, what does that mean? What, what, okay, does that mean you just get to be a little richer? It's not really impacting your team because the media deals, you have enough money for everything. You don't own the stadium. You pay Kroenke a dollar rent every year. So you get to build some cooler facilities in El Segundo or wherever the fuck you move to. Like, I don't understand the added value necessarily. Like, I understand it for Mark Davis. If he's forced to sell, he will make a dramatic, you know, more being in Vegas than Oakland. Like, that that makes sense. Like, the Davis family is not going to own the Raiders forever. And whenever they sell it, they will benefit dramatically from that move. Spanos family ain't selling a team. So what's the what's the end game here? You have no fans. I went to college with so many San Diego people, and I swear to God, they all loved the Chargers. I'm talking diehards. They're all, you know, they kind of have the surfer vibe, San Diego chill. When that when the Charger games came on, or it was time to talk football, they knew their shit. And I I I've always felt for them. Like, I, I don't, I was biased because when the Raiders moved, I was at the station that had the Raiders, but it was never going to work in Oakland. Oakland is a disaster. I mean, it's a joke. All three teams left in five-year span. Think about that. The basketball team, Lakeham couldn't get out of there fast enough. Mark Davis just didn't have any money, and Vegas, you know, opened up their checkbook, and the A's are just, they can't survive in Oakland. So three professional teams and three different sports will leave Oakland in a five-year span. Like, that's the one of the last places in America you would put a team in 2023 would be Oakland, California. Promise you that. So as someone that didn't want them to leave, again, I had an agenda. I was biased. It's 100% the right move. I'll never agree with the Chargers move, ever. I understand why Stan came back, right? Guess stadium. The stadium is incredible. It's you ever get a chance to go to that thing? It's mind blowing how nice it is when you walk in. And I've been to a lot of stadiums. I think it's one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed in person. And I'm not talking like I, I've been to it, like the Rome Roman Coliseum, 
or the Statue of Liberty. I, I'm just talking sporting wise. I've been to a lot of venues for a lot of different sports. That feels like the modern day, I don't know, Fenway Parker. I, you know, it's, it's different. Obviously, it's not like any of the old, but my point is you walk in, you go, I've never seen, experienced anything like this. This is, this place is beyond cool. It's just, this is where I'd want to play if I had a team. And I think both of them battle having fans, which I'll say this for LA. Like they have two franchises that have a ton of support and that are, the Yankees are the biggest brand in baseball, but the Dodgers are arguably second. And it pains me to say this because I fucking hate this team, but the Lakers are the biggest brand in basketball. So it's not like LA doesn't like sports. They do a lot. I just think football, you leave for that long. McVay's cool and all, but the Rams only get, and they just won a Super Bowl. The Chargers are never going to be relevant. They're probably like the seventh team in LA, right? The Niners, the Raiders, clearly the Rams. I bet they're sneaky a lot of like the Northeast group with the Giants, the Jets, the Eagles. I bet a lot of those people are in Southern California. So it it sucks. And I, I don't think that home field advantage will ever change. Like the Raiders have fans, but you put them in Vegas, like it's an easy place and a fun place for away fans to go. The other thing is like they play in a division against the Broncos, against the Chiefs. You know, they play in the AFC, so you're playing the Steelers, you're playing the Jets. You're going to play franchises that have a lot of fans and going to Vegas is cool. Going to Vegas is fun. Going to Vegas is a pretty easy trip. There's direct flights. You can stay there for relatively cheap. So that's certain places you build stadiums. It's just going to be, the, the, the if the Bears are good, if the Niners are good, if the Jets are good, like th these people have been in the same place forever. When you're a nomad, you can't complain about having issues with home games, right? There's a reason Michigan and Ohio State and Duke basketball, like they've been there forever. <laughs> I mean, they, you don't have to worry about them moving. So I, I don't feel sympathy when you deal with the the backlash of issues with home games when you move a lot. Part of what comes with the territory. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week. Uh, this is a longer podcast because we did a lot of these mailbag questions, but we'll, we'll keep them pumping all week and uh, three more podcasts to come. Let's roll, baby. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, 
LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 